How to make a decision. Do you ever wonder what to do when you don't know what to do? The first kind of decision I would like to address are those new opportunities that come our way. A job offer, a request to do a favor, the excitement of possibly starting a new work. New opportunities can be wonderful, but they can also take us away from our real purpose and take up that all too important commodity, our time. Xuanzi, a great Chinese philosopher of the Taoist tradition, was once living a rustic life in the woods. One day, members of the king's cabinet came to persuade Xuanzi to come and be a chief advisor to the king. Is it true, Xuanzi asked, that the king has a giant turtle with a golden shell? Why, yes, the advisors confirmed. It is a beautiful turtle, and the king keeps it in a fine box in his quarters. Tell me, Xuanzi said, would you rather be a turtle with a golden shell living in a box near the king, or would you rather be a turtle right here in the swamp, dragging his tail in the mud? The advisors agreed they would rather be a turtle with their tails in the mud. You go back to the king, Xuanzi said, and I'll stay here, dragging my tail in the mud. And this is a very direct teaching for me, that it's important to ask ourselves some things before taking anything new on our plate, that we always take time for dragging our tail in the mud. When faced with a decision that is asking for that most precious commodity of our time, it is important to be able to ask ourselves and say yes to the following questions. Is this mine to do? Does it align with my sense of mission and purpose? What is the time needed to do this the right way? That last one's particularly important in that it's often the first question for me that's forgotten. What good is this going to do saying yes to a work project that will take 10 hours, but I've only given five to accomplish it? But ultimately, if you can answer these questions satisfactorily, even if the task is something you'd rather not do, there may be some good in doing it. However, if the answers are not clear, ask yourself, am I doing this for a greater good or to please somebody? Am I doing this to maintain a facade and just for material recognition? Or is there deeper meaning here? Or am I doing this simply because I'm afraid to say no? This is where Schrenz's story becomes so important. Do you want to be that decorated and well-known turtle in a box somewhere? Or do you want to be that one that's enjoying the moment, dragging its tail in the mud? I know which I'd rather be. If you spend all your time working, you'll lose touch with living itself, which doing so informs us of what is next for us. That's an unfortunate thing when we don't create meaningful space in our lives. What's next or what could be or what the creative medium is trying to present to your life to emerge never gets to come about because there's no room for it. I love something Frederick Buechner shared. He shared there are all different kinds of voices calling you to all different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. By and large, a good rule for finding this out is this. The kind of work God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, 
that the world most needs to have done. If you really get a kick out of your work, you've presumably met requirement A. But if your work is writing TV deodorant commercials, the chances are you've missed requirement B. On the other hand, if your work is being a doctor in a leper colony, you've probably met requirement B. But if most of the time you're bored and depressed by it, the chances are you've not only bypassed A, but probably aren't helping your patients much either. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Is this what I want? Is this in alignment with my mission and purpose? Do I have the time that is necessary to get it done well? If the answer to that last question is a big fat no, but you still want to do it, ask, what must I let go of to accomplish this well? Personally, I've been wanting to finish a book I've been working on for the past two years. It's something I very much want to do personally, and yet, strangely enough, it's the first thing to go when my daughter needs watching or a work emergency hits or that class to prepare becomes urgent. So this year, I'm getting writing the book into my schedule. I'm looking at what I can delegate or release responsibility of at my job. I allow myself to work on it in spatterings, even if it's 15 minutes here or there. And whether it's done or not, at the end of the year, I want to say I've said yes to writing this book more than I've said no. Not having time is not an excuse for saying no to what's important to you. It's just that what you have to say yes to is creating it. So in the space of not knowing what to do, be with these questions and make your way. It's difficult, however, when there are multiple choices. And this is the second type of decision I want to talk about. Thus far, I've been talking about making the commitment to say yes to what you want to do and how not to get trapped doing what you don't want to do. But I want to shift here to those difficult choices where we're not sure what to do. Should I end this relationship or try to renew it? Should I quit my job or stay and be grateful for what I have? Should I tell this person how much what they did hurt me or hold on to it inside? Should I share my opinion on an important topic at work or just shut up? Most people think of most choices as yes or no, orange juice or apple juice, watch another episode or go to bed, go out on the town or stay in. But living more whole lives with choices that steer the course of our life's adventure, there is also just as powerful and consequential choices. One of them is not choosing or indecision. Indecision, as unconscious as we may like to say it is, is as creative a choice as yes or no. What can happen is that we kind of tell ourselves we haven't made a choice. We're waiting, or we're thinking, or we're getting clearer, when the truth is that we've chosen not to choose. Now, there's such a thing as patience and discernment and trust, and I'm going to get to that. But hear this, When you don't choose for yourself, something or someone else chooses for you. Indecision or inaction can be kind of like building walls around ourselves, thinking we're keeping change out, but in truth, we're just blocking ourselves from living our lives more fully. We wind up not choosing and therefore denying ourselves the best of life, meaningful connections and relationships, the openness to move to a new place, the opportunity to try something new with work and we choose inaction. We don't ask the guy out, and someone else does. We don't apply for the position, and someone else does and gets the job. 
We choose fear over action, and someone chooses action over fear. And that fear, it can be overwhelming. As we keep choosing that fear over and over in our lives, it comes to have more and more power over us. But you can start making your way out of it by making small choices every day that create a momentum to begin telling your highest and best story. You may be asking a coworker to coffee before asking someone on a date. You may just be signing up for LinkedIn before applying for that new job. You may be asking your boss about your future at the company before asking for a promotion. Little things work great, and the momentum of them can create meaningful opportunities because the universe hears those things and says, well, look here, so-and-so is ready. Now, inaction is a choice, but you can also consciously choose non-action in a healthy way. Where inaction comes from a place of fear, non-action comes from a place of trust. You can consciously choose to show up to a choice with patience to see what happens or with your virtues, even if your mind isn't made up. Abraham Lincoln was known as an incredibly patient president who used tools of non-action even to the anger of liberals and conservatives around him. He's quoted to have said, A man watches his pear tree day after day, impatient for the ripening of the fruit. Let him attempt to force the process, and he may spoil both fruit and tree. But let him patiently wait, and the ripe pear at length falls into his lap. But Lincoln, you see, was also known for taking big actions. The Emancipation Proclamation, for example. It wasn't about not choosing. It was about trusting virtues to not rush a decision. So when it was the time to make it, it was already made. I find it powerful to ask myself sometimes, where in my life am I practicing non-action? Trust, patience, reliance on my virtues. And where am I practicing inaction? Fear, distrust, anxiety. And when I can show up with greater consciousness to those places of uncertainty, things shift dramatically. It all comes down to a last question. When I don't know what to do, it helps me move from the problem around me to the solution within me. And the question becomes not what am I to do, but who am I called to become? That's the one question that non-action asks. Not what am I to do, but who am I called to become in this circumstance, in this conversation, in this encounter? I don't know if my partner and I are breaking up, but I'm committed to show up from a place of love and integrity. I don't know if I'm quitting this job or keeping it, but I'm committed to show up to our meeting, willing to have a courageous and honest conversation. Have the courage to approach the choice right at its precipice and choose to bring forth the best of what is within you, even if it's scary. I think what you'll find is when you practice your virtues, the next step always becomes clear. And I don't know about you, but that's good enough for me.